I'm Susan Duffy. I'm the director of Channel Marketing Group. Uh, this has been a really long time coming, but I'm really excited to kick off this uh, series of stories. Um, basically, I've got a bit of a confession. I've turned into one of those people that is um, listening to podcasts, not only podcasts, but just uh, inspirational podcasts. So I get uh, really motivated and inspired by hearing stories about people, um, not necessarily business people, but typically that's um, the main area that I listen to, that have done really extraordinary things, um, really inspiring people, maybe have come from some hardship, um, but they're really resilient, persistent with, um, with being successful. So I listen to them when I'm driving to Brisbane or from the Gold Coast. Um, and normally if I get, you know, 45 minutes of that um, into me before I start the day, I feel like a different person. Um, so I kind of thought, you know, I'm listening to all these stories about people from the US, about from different areas that really have nothing to do with what I do for a living. Um, and I thought, you know what, I've actually got really inspiring people that are in our industry, in property industry, um, that I can talk to. Um, and I'm sure many other people would be inspired by their stories or motivate them um, to do amazing things. So I had to think about my circle of people in the industry um, and the first person that came to mind is Heidi. Now I am a bit biased, she's a friend <laughs> of mine, but, um, but I did meet her in the property industry all the way back from Stockland land um, and so she's my first guest and she had to do it because she's my friend. So, um, so Heidi's one of those people that if um, I do get to speak to her, even if it's five minutes in the morning or we're having a chat, which we did yesterday. Um, you know, I could be in a horrible mood or just a bit disgruntled about things, business or otherwise, and having a chat with her can just set me straight for the day and for the week. Um, so I wanted to spend some time getting to know Heidi as a person, or for you to get to know Heidi as a person, um, and to give you some insight um, where I can. So I'll give you a bit of background about Heidi. So I met Heidi um, all the way back in Stockland land, probably about 15 years ago. I'm not, 10, 12 years ago. Thereabouts. Yeah, I was a mere marketing manager and Heidi was a sales professional at the time. And I think it was Tina Nason or Campbell that mm -hmm. um, introduced us or said to me, Susan, you're going to have to meet Heidi. You're going to love her. She's just um, really down to earth, very professional. And you'll be working with her in sales um, in your marketing role. So I thought, oh, yeah, who's this, who's this girl? And she was 100% right. So I know you like blowing your own trumpet normally, but I'm going to do it for you this time. Wow. I'm just joking. This is nice. Can so, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I honestly have never met a salesperson like Heidi before, and I have seen you actually selling in the field whilst you're a manager now, big head honcho. Um, you're, you have this perfect combination of, um, I guess, business acumen, so really good sales acumen, but you also have a really strong emotional intelligence and a care for the customer and a care for your staff now. Um, and it's this kind of balance um, as a salesperson that has uh, seen you, I guess, grow and accelerate your career into an amazing manager who has that perfect combination, again, of um, salesmanship, business acumen, balanced with caring and understanding your staff and caring and understanding your customers. And to be honest, I haven't seen anyone that's shifted from being a salesperson on the ground to shift into a management or sales manager. So you're now national sales manager at Ingenia Lifestyle um, Communities. So Ingenia is one of the fastest growing um, property companies in Australia, and not just developers, but operators of communities. Um, and how many staff do you manage now? Oh, it's currently sitting at about 20, I think. 20, yep. okay, great. 
So um, you're, in a, you're in a huge role now, um, but today is not all about property. Uh, the, the main reason I brought Heidi on um, today as our first guest in this series is because um, of your perfect balance between this um, business and EQ, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, but also just your leadership, um, your, your motiva you motivate me. And so I'm hoping that when we can get to know your story and how you go about being who you are um, in the business world, you'll be able to motivate others. Does that make oh, sense? That would be great. We're on the same yeah. page. Great. Okay. So um, let's go back maybe way back um, to the beginning, a little Adelaide girl that you are. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts did you live? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Excellent. Two Fs, I say. <laughs> <laughs> so as a kid, what sort of kid were you? Um, it depends who you ask. If you ask me, I'd say I was an amazing child and never did anything wrong. If you asked my mother or father, they would say that I was willful. Um, definitely, um, definitely headstrong um, and um, very protective of my, of my brothers. Brothers, okay, yeah. good. Now, um, for those of you who don't know Heidi, obviously you're very well known in the property industry in Queensland, but um, you have a bit of a gift of the gab. Um, you can have a good laugh, uh, but you do it in the right way and you're very quick-witted. Um, so where did you get that from? Uh, look, I've got three brothers, so you learn survival of the fittest in that household. And um, I think uh, one of my brothers in particular, um, Callum, is incredibly witty. And so um, he's a year older than me and we're very close. So I think naturally I, I picked up a lot of that from him. But my dad is obviously... Um, somebody who's a huge um, mentor in my life and, and he's quite the, the witty and expert in all things uh, humour. So um, you learn to have a bit of a thick skin around around our house. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously you're in a sales role now, but what is your first job? Wow. Um, so the first job I ever had was my best friend Christy got me the job um, and I was about 15, I think, from memory and it was the local 777 supermarket so she got the job first and then we just continued to bring our flow of best mates into working at this um, supermarket it was by far a highlight of my career we had so much fun oh that's good um, so yeah and so property um so you had kids young didn't you yes um i was on the try before you buy scheme um <laughs> so i had um my son um ben when i was 19 just about turning 20 mm -hmm. and then decided to get married married at 21. um so uh, and then Gemma followed um four years later so excellent yeah and so when did you get or what would be your first professional job yeah so um and did, and I, how young were the kids at that stage Yep, so, oh, look, I remember, it was interesting. Um, I never finished high school. I was somebody who knew all the answers more than the teachers. So um, I remember um, my first professional job was when I was 21. Mm -hmm. um, Paul and I had decided we were gonna build a house together. Um, and I remember going in and, and asking a lot of people, going into the different, different New home displays, home. thank you. I've forgotten the name of them already. <laughs> um, and every every home I went into, it was predominantly male-dominated back then. Um, there weren't a lot, of, a lot of females in the industry. And I remember the men were smoking and they'd kind of look up, see that I wasn't with my husband and go, oh, there's just no point. 
Um, she's a time waster. And I remember going into one particular display home, it was Homestead Homes, and a lady called Lacelle Dyer got up from behind her desk, greeted me and said, hi, welcome to Homestead Homes. My name's Lacelle Dyer and you are. And from that moment I went, I'm building with these people because oh, she was just so friendly. Um, and they weren't the cheapest builder, by the way. They were definitely not the cheapest, but um, the service that I got from them. And through that, I was so interested in uh, what she did that I asked a lot of questions. And before I knew it, she'd asked me if I would like to work for her. Oh, really? Um, so I ended up what they call hostessing back then. So yeah. on the weekends, and I remember my spill, and it was, welcome to Homestead Homes. My name's Heidi Mumford. As you go through the homes today, remember these are simply concepts and ideas from which you can build your dream home. <laughs> I can't believe I still that. remember that, but I do. It still um, works. It's, it still works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I just sold two houses there. Um, and uh, I So how old would you have been then? 21. 21, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. so... Um, and that was, and I was doing that in between other jobs, but that was really the, the catalyst for my move into the property sector. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, her partner who was working um, for another builder approached me and I went and worked with them. And, and then I ended up getting into land sales. Um, and every time it was someone approaching me saying, hey, we met you before and we want to have a chat with you. And, yeah, right. and one thing led to another. So um, how, I guess... Um, I mean, everyone's got their own unique kind of sales salesmanship or sales approach. How would you describe your sales approach back then when you first started? Um, well, look, I was really lucky because I had great mentors when I um, joined the, the industry and I joined very close to around when GST was introduced. I know, I'm that young. Um, <laughs> and. I remember everyone saying, oh, you know, the sky's falling, that's the end of the property sector because, you know, you're going to have to pay tax on on everything. And and I thought, well, I, I don't know. And I spoke to my dad and he said, there's a buyer for everything. Don't worry about what everyone else is saying. You find the point of difference. So I remember um, Brian and David, um, who were my bosses at the time, they took me through the homes and they said, here is the points of difference in what we do. And right down to the you know the stainless steel hinges from Germany on the cupboards in the in the kitchen and things like that and so I learned everything that was different about us and I didn't focus on the prices or anything mm -hmm. like that I just focused on making sure people could make an educated decision about what they were buying mm -hmm. and the points of difference um, and really taking the time to understand what they wanted mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably just that that natural style of not trying to do the hard sell but being a provider of solutions. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. You've always said to me, like, let's not, we're not, we don't want to get into competing on price point here. We don't want to have to use price as the reason why people are making a decision. Mm. So for you, it's more really understanding the customer first and then being able to build on that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Good. So then, so you were selling, or you're in display homes, and then what happened from there? Uh, well, then I got, um, well, then I was in land sales with a company called Urban Pacific um, in Adelaide and at the time uh, we were coming towards the end of that development and as much as I loved it, they were like a family there um, and Shane Cameron again was another huge yeah. mentor for me. We're still really good friends today and we still talk all the time. Um, I just, we decided to come for a holiday to Queensland. Well, we came to Queensland and then you go, why would I live in Adelaide? Um, so we moved Good here, um, at which point I decided I was definitely getting out of the property industry. I was, I'd had enough of working Saturdays and Sundays until I worked in a Monday to Friday job and felt like I was going a little bit stir crazy. And then um, 
an old an old general manager that had been at uh, Urban Pacific actually rang me and said, "I believe you're in Queensland. I'd like to have a coffee with you." And next minute, I was selling land for Divine Homes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So one of the things we I probably skipped over there that's important is um, your ability to not hang on to the negatives of a situation, particularly in sales. Um, you know, we're in a good time now, right? Property market's good, mm -hmm. but we've had plenty of times when it's been awful. Um, and often, from a marketing perspective, you are working with salespeople who, who often can be really negative. You know, they're sitting yep. out in a display, they're not seeing anyone, it's, it's tough. How do you mentally go into the day or, or not find yourself down the rabbit hole in negativity? Um, well, look, it's pretty easy. The, the good thing is there's about 90% of the population who will focus on that, which means even in a downturn market, there's 10% of the population has a fantastic attitude that'll get the business. So for me, that's always been my focus is being the point of difference. I remember my dad saying to me once, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do, but whatever you do, be excellent. And I remember that has, I've, that's literally carried through with me my entire career. And um, you know, when challenges happen and, you, and you're faced with them, you've just got to go, okay, what, what am I going to do about mm -hmm. it? How am I going to respond to it in a way that makes me the point of difference to yeah. other people? So. And you're, you're very, you're quick not to lay blame on other members of the project team. I know that's your big thing is that, you know, make sure you've got your own backyard sorted before Absolutely. you're throwing stones at someone else, be it development or marketing. Um, so that's a big credit to yourself as well. But we'll probably be here till midnight if we don't keep going. So I might, um, I might let's fast forward to when you had the first opportunity to take on a management um, position. Mm -hmm. Was that Stockies? Was yes. That yep. um, and that management role had a bit of, you know, um, probably reporting and more advanced kind of skills levels there that you needed to have, but also managing a team. Um, tell me what your thoughts were. Um, before you decided to apply for it? Mm -hmm. um, what my thoughts were before I decided to apply Maybe for I'll it? Maybe I'll tell you what your thoughts were. I remember that you were a bit nervous. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and probably second guessing yourself as to whether you know you had the skill level to get there. Absolutely, my so, inner critic kicked in, yeah. yeah. And what, what was that about? What were you nervous about, mainly? Uh, look, I think that, I think I could probably unpack that from my childhood and, and well I didn't finish school so how could I how could I lead how could I manage others I didn't finish school so what what value am I going to add um, you know uh, so look I think there was a little bit of imposter syndrome going mm -hmm. on and but you bit the bullet I bit the bullet <laughs> and very quickly realized when I got in the role why that had presented itself and again it comes down to seeing opportunities and gaps and filling them um, when I was a sales professional is what they called it back then I remember seeing opportunities where the sales associates weren't getting any training so I stepped up and said can I run training sessions mm -hmm. on a Monday after the sales meeting with the sales associates um, and that one thing led to another mm -hmm. and, and and when I stepped into the role I realized very quickly that how I was doing things that I just thought everyone was doing was not actually mm -hmm. what was happening so um, I think it, it, it provided some valuable opportunities and, and was definitely the benchmark for the type of leader I wanted to be. Mm. And so tell, so now you know, you're in your first role where you're managing <coughs> staff. Um, why did you, was managing staff something that you wanted to do? Was that, you know, did you ever see yourself doing that? Like, no. No. Um, not that it wasn't something I wanted to do, it wasn't something I saw myself doing. Um, and I never saw it as managing staff. I saw it as an opportunity to, I guess, help people 
reach their potential and mm -hmm. that's the bit that I'm really passionate about. I love it when I have a conversation with someone and I can see that little aha moment and and or someone say to me, you know, I remember that conversation we had way back when and that that was a turning point in my career. Mm -hmm. That's what motivates me. Okay. Um, and so if you've got targets, so I guess this is the hard part because it sounds all rosy and happy mm -hmm. that you're a bit more HR than you are numbers, but that's not who you are. You're very focused on, you know, hitting the targets and you're very, very focused on, you like making money yourself, I'm sure. So how, so how do you um, find that balance in between, you know, making your staff happy and um, I guess wanting to perform more from an I guess an EQ perspective whilst also making sure they're hitting their targets because you can often find yourself becoming and I've managed salespeople probably not very well more of a friend and then then you find it hard to then you know be a bit more assertive when it comes yep. to the numbers yep and I think anyone that anyone that um, technically reports into me will say to you that um, I'm very approachable but definitely can be firm when I need to be, mm -hmm. and, but, but I'm fair and I think that's the main thing. So I always take the approach with people of, I want to be able to understand what they're going through and I think you've got to take the time to sit and talk to people. It's not, it can't just all be about numbers and it can't be all about the, the warm and fluffies. There's got to be a balance. Um, and so the first thing, you know, in the current role I'm in, the first thing I had to do was set up structure because people need structure. Um, and systems and processes to help them understand the why behind why we do things. And there's that KPIs and things like that. KPIs and um, you know what having what regular one-on-ones with me. So every fortnight I meet with every single one of the team, um, whether it be for half an hour or an hour, and we just talk about you know what might be happening in their world. Um, so a little bit of personal, a little bit of professional. Um, and then we talk about any challenges they're facing on the ground and we work through them together. Mm -hmm. So um, the key there is when I say working through them together is not giving them all the answers all the time, but actually challenging them to think about what they want to, mm -hmm. what they would do first. Uh, you know, originally, uh, you know, people will naturally default to, well, I'll go and ask that person because they'll give me the answer. Mm -hmm. um, the truth is if you give them the answer, you enable continual poor performance. Yeah. So. I know I'm not very good at having hard conversations. I've gotten better, but real conversations. Yep. Way better than what I was. <laughs> but um, when I had to go into a management role and start managing people for the first time, the first actually Mike Stone, thanks for this. The first thing I had to do was performance manage someone. I had no idea how to do this, so you were the first person I called about that and understanding how am I going to have this? Like I'm. This is not. This is outside of my um, comfort zone. Um, so having hard conversations or try or being assertive and um, you know how do you approach that um, and what advice would you give someone like me maybe um, from maybe let's go five years ago mm -hmm. in how you could approach um, having to have and these could be things like I don't agree with you on this or it could be having to performance manage someone you know what what advice would you give someone that has to start having those conversations um, yeah I would always take it down to um, and someone taught me this once, once, take it back to situation, behaviour and impact. What's the situation, what's the behaviour that you witnessed and, and what was the impact as a result of that? And that sounds so cliche that you'd read that out of any... You textbook. Know, you know, <coughs> textbook, exactly. Um, but it is true, um, just taking the time to really understand what might be driving it. You don't know. Somebody may have just gone through a marriage breakup in their day and they've walked into a meeting and they've 
snapped at someone a little bit or whatever else and then you go straight into well that was unacceptable mm -hmm. and whatnot it's important to go can I understand why that just happened yeah help me understand what happened there I noticed some you know I noticed that you're not your, your normal self in yeah. this situation talk me through what happened mm. that unpacks a lot of it as it is if it is genuine somebody's not you know doing the right thing well I take it back to if you've set up the processes and procedures and KPIs in place, those will set you free mm -hmm. in themselves because you can refer back to, here are the KPIs from which we've talked about, here's where you're not meeting the requirements of the role, we've talked about this before. And I think um, that's a respect thing, like if you genu genuinely respect that staff member or that customer, then give them the courtesy of letting them know what success looks like so absolutely. that they can show you that they can do it and also give them the courtesy of understanding what's going on in their life so mm. that you don't fly off on one hand or the other. So I think that's right. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is we often forget um, when we're talking about sales managers is uh, how much priority you put on what the customer is going through and what the customer wants. Um, so we both have worked within the retirement living and you know over 50, mm -hmm. 50 space and I constantly hear stories of you where you're having, you know, you're reminding people, remember, we're working for the customer here. <laughs> so mm -hmm. let's go, what's going to be the best result for them? And that's not a matter of bending over. That's more so just making sure that we don't lose sight as a team as to what the best result is for yeah. the customer. So how do you, so I always feel like it's you going, hang on guys, remember, <laughs> we're talking about the customer here. How do you do that? Is that just, in, in, I don't know, how do you make that a priority? Look, I think there's, there's a few things I think. The first thing is to understand, yes, it is all about the customer and it's about balancing that with the commerciality of what we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, if it's just all about customer and we give everything away, we don't have a business to service mm -hmm. the customer long term. So it's got to be sustainable. But um, I guess I also look at when it comes to, when it comes to the customer and, and with the sales team is getting them to understand what we can do what's within our remit of what we can do. Sometimes it's less with the sales team though and more with other parts of the business because everybody's driving their own agenda to meet their own objectives. So I actually have spent a lot of time understanding what the objectives are for every part of the business mm -hmm. so that I can tap into that with them. Mm -hmm. So if for example it's development and they've, they've got to hit a feasibility number, it's about saying okay, how do we work through, conscious we've got to achieve that number together here are some things that I think I could help. If we were able to do this, which you don't want to do at the moment, if we were able to do it, I'm telling you we can increase prices mm -hmm. and therefore we both win. Yeah. I think one of the things that we agree on, or there's lots of things, but that we're very passionate about is the project team working together. Absolutely. So oh, I just, I can't even remember which project, I can't remember which project it would have been, but when you see sales, marketing, development, this is my property geekness coming out, running together, we're all on the same page, it's awesome, like yep. there's just, sales are done, you know, everything's working smoothly, people are happy working together. What, what advice would you give a project team who may be feeling a bit disjointed about how they can get to that level? Take the time to walk a mile in each other's shoes would probably be my, my best advice. Um, I've got it in the development plans for each of the sales team to actually immerse themselves um, you know, a few days throughout the year with different parts of the business to understand some of the challenges they face, some of the impact that, that our behaviours can have on them. Mm -hmm. um, and really that's that's the main thing. It, understanding. Understanding, yeah. absolutely. Seeking first to understand. Seeking first to understand, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, um, lolly jars, muffins, cakes, you know. Completely unwork related. <laughs> so Heidi has, um, I remember, I don't know if it's still a tactic or whether you just, I don't know, but um, Heidi would have this lolly jar that would, she'd sit on her desk. Um, and so people would just come over and like hoe into this lolly jar. We wouldn't be able to do it now, COVID safe. But um, it worked so well for you building your network of the team because yep. you'd have people, development managers, whoever likes sweets over at your desk picking from your jar and that, that would prompt conversations. Did you do that on purpose? Yes, <laughs> I did. I'm not going to lie. So the lolly jar was a, a ploy to get to understand people. Um, the one thing that you'll find having a lolly jar is that people will come up and they don't want to just take a lolly. They feel a need to talk to you about something. <laughs> so you don't just come and help yourself. You feel like you've got to go, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? What's happening in your day? And then before you know it, you've unraveled something's going on in the back corner. Um, or someone's not getting along with someone, so there was a little bit of a um, a little bit of a tactic behind it. But yeah. at the same time, I am a feeder, as mm, you know. You so are. yeah. So um, I think some of that lightheartedness it just definitely releases tension within the group. Absolutely. Um, and you're known for that pulling pranks. Um, I'm not going to talk about the chili story because probably don't have any time. But <laughs> so I think there's value in that, um, and that doesn't need that's not a sales skill. Um, yeah. But I think it's about thinking about others before yourself and mm -hmm. Tiff from our team does a lot of this but it's just breaking up the I guess seriousness of the role or the industry things can be going really poorly and you know that you're going to go into a Monday meeting about sales and it's going to be miserable but then Heidi's come in she's baked chocolate chip muffins or something and everything just kind of tempers down um, do you do that stuff on purpose or is it a bit of both like you oh, look it's a little bit of both I think there's some intention behind it because mm -hmm. it's an icebreaker and it gets people talking and then you talk about why you know where why you baked and all the rest of it um, but I also think when there are challenging times people need someone to lead the way a little bit they need somebody to just be upbeat because it's so easy to pull yourself down there's there's so many people in any business we ever work in that'll tell you the sky's falling I call them the eors of the world you know oh me oh my you know um, there's too many of them yeah. and there needs to be more people that just shed a, a, a ray mm. of light for people that mm. make them feel like they can make it a bit easier make it a, well they can they can do whatever they want to do forget about what's happening in the market or mm -hmm. external conditions so I've um, referred a few people your way um, I'm not going to name names Clayton no but um, that I have suggested that you're an amazing manager and they're looking at two jobs and like honestly just go with Heidi if they're an emerging you know um, mm -hmm. sales professional um, because you just put them first you know you're not one of those sales managers um, that is too worried about their staff outperforming them um, that's what you want you want Absolutely. them to um, be successful in their roles so I guess when you're looking for if you could give some advice for people who are thinking about getting into a role of sales what sort of attributes or what, what are you looking for people maybe in an interview or, or what sort of um, traits are you looking for in a person? I would be looking definitely for, it's less about skill for me because skill is something you can teach. Uh, there's just that spark with someone when, you know, and I'll refer to, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but um, Clayton Simons, I, when you sent him my way, uh, was just somebody that instantly I knew. He had that special something and I continue to, um, to, to talk about him but it's just having that right attitude the the can do the solutions driven the nothing's a problem I'll find a way um, I can't teach and, and also 
having some EQ. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not something I can teach. You either have it or you don't. And um, if you have it, you can walk in and read a room. Yeah. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful tool to have. So, yes, yeah. All right, last, last couple of questions. Um, so you talked about your dad being a big mentor of yours. Mm -hmm. um, you're crying, I'm not crying. But who else do you seek inspiration from? Oh, I seek inspiration from everywhere. Um, I seek inspiration from some of the worst managers I've had in my life. Um, they've taught me valuable lessons Don't about. Any names. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, um, some of the some of the worst managers I've ever had in my life have taught me the most powerful lessons. Um, that for me, it's not just about who's going to come and and give me a pat on the back and say rah rah. Let's you know the Tony Robbins of the world and whatnot. This is about learning from bad experiences as well as good experiences. So, um, you know, uh, Shane Cameron, uh, my, one of my first. Uh, sales managers when I was in Adelaide taught me valuable lessons. LaSalle Dyer when I was in Adelaide taught me valuable lessons. All positive, um, I should note. Uh, you know, Shane taught me there was a buyer for everything and you needed to find the point of difference. So, I, and I carry that through um, in my career today. So, because a lot of the people that are connected with channel marketing are marketing people. Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe a couple of tips on how marketing people can work well with sales and vice versa, some advice around that. Absolutely, so let me start with how sales can work with marketing yes. people better first. So if I had a dollar for every time I hear a salesperson say, we need more leads, um, <laughs> it does my head in as much as it does yours in now, but it's about getting them to understand, first of all, what they need to be doing with their own databases and how well they need to be managing them first before putting their hand up and saying, I need more. Mm -hmm. um, you can throw thousands of leads into a database, but if you don't manage them, mm -hmm. it's the same result. Equally so, I would say for marketing, it's about just taking the time to understand some of the challenges down on the ground with the sales team. Um, marketing people are experts in their field, there's no doubt about it. They'll never be as good as a salesperson on the ground in terms of understanding the customer. Mm -hmm. So it's about it's about combining those two um, and taking the time to, again, seek to understand with everything. Yeah, yeah I'm such a firm believer and it's, uh, you know, as everyone gets busier, it's harder to do this. but for marketing teams to be as on the ground as possible. Yeah. Um, we're all up in our head offices and now with lockdowns it's hard, but to visit the site as much as we can to make sure we're understanding the constraints of the sales te team. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of this is a bit off track here. So if you were a salesperson um, who's selling a house and they know that that customer is, is um, making a decision between you and two other communities and they tell you that, um, say, oh, this, this community over here is giving me a 20k discount, um, can you do the same thing? What would be your response to that? Oh, look, it, uh, it certainly depends. I would absolutely say I hate discounting, you know that. I've never been a rebate fan. I think if you know what the value proposition, you should know your competitors so well, you know the point of difference. Again, I go back to point mm -hmm. of difference. Um, and I would be saying you absolutely should do your research. It's really important. This is the most important decision you're going to make moving forward um, absolutely make sure that you go and ask all the right questions but also I would say to you think about how you feel how you feel on arrival into the community how do you feel with the relationship with the person that you're dealing with because those are very important things as well okay. um, and right. I think if we do our job really well uh, if we do our job if we are excellent at what we do then we should always get the business good um, okay favorite song 
you're going to think this is really lame. Uh, this is me, uh, the greatest showman. I think Keisha sings it. Look out, because here I come. I love smashing I that. that out in the car. <laughs> um, does that it, get you motivated? It does. It, it's, it's one of those songs that um, I think everyone can resonate with at a different point in their life. Um, not because it gets me pumped going, yeah, this is an upbeat, killer song, but it, it reminds me that, you know, when, when we have our moments of questioning ourselves and am I doing the right thing and um, am I leading the right way, am I a good person, um, those, that song's something that reminds me, yeah, here I come, this is me, I'm, I, I've got this. Fair enough. So. And what do you do on the weekend? What do you, where will we find you? Uh, you will find me in my garden. <laughs> so COVID has, COVID has turned me into a grower of vegetables and herbs and I've got chickens and dogs and um, I have a pizza oven that uh, was a redundancy gift to myself from a previous job and I love cooking and, and creating in the kitchen and uh, so when I come into work on a Monday with all the baked goods or lasagnas or cakes or whatever else and everyone says where do you find the time well my time is that's my downtime on the weekend so yeah, fair enough yeah. So it's Sunday afternoon and you're getting ready for the week ahead. How do you, do you do any planning on Sunday for the rest of the week? Um, and, and what tools, maybe maybe five or so tips as to how you best manage your time, mm -hmm. um, be that CRM, be that whatever? Yeah, so usually on a Sunday I am thinking about as much as we all think <laughs> about the Monday on the Sunday, which is why Sunday doesn't feel like a Sunday. Um, I think I try to look at my calendar for the week ahead yeah. to see what meetings I've got. Usually I'm having to try to priority, uh, manage the priorities. So one of the, the challenges in my role is that there's more meetings and, and more priorities than I can address. So mm -hmm. it's about, okay, what are the key ones that need to be achieved this week and what are the ones I can push out? So that's probably the first thing I do mm -hmm. is just juggle my calendar around a little bit. Uh, in terms of uh, when I get into the office on a Monday morning, I usually have a sales meeting um, not with the sales team, that's on a Tuesday, but I have a catch up with um, both Megan and uh, Clayton that I work with, so two of my team, and they're really great because they will talk about what their priorities are and we'll talk about what we've got to get done for the week mm -hmm. together. Uh, we very much work as a team, uh, and then we'll go away and, and execute on that. The other thing I look at uh, every week and sometimes daily is uh, RCRM and that's looking at how we're currently performing with our sales numbers, how many we've got to go, uh, what leads we've got coming into the database, um, how the team are performing in terms of how many calls they're making a week, um, the quality of those calls, that's another one. Uh, they're probably, and then obviously we have um, what's called a BI report which um, has purposely been built so I can have a look and it's a bit of a snapshot of Here's how, how we're performance mm -hmm. and um, some of the things I need to be aware of for the mm -hmm. week ahead. So if you're, a, um, if you're giving some advice to your sales professionals on how they should structure their week, does it mirror a similar approach to them or is there anything different that you give them as advice? Oh look, I think it might be slightly different for the sales team. You know, they have calls that they need to make mm -hmm. and one of the things I always say to, um, to anyone is when you're looking at your targets, if you've got to make, let's call it 50 calls a week. If you have to make 50 calls a week, don't try to look at it as one big number. Look at the week that you've got, look at the priorities you've got in the week and work out how you're going to get your 10 calls a day. Mm. If you can't make 10 in one day because you've got a big event, then spread that out across the other days, just so that don't they leave can, yourself to don't do leave yourself in one day. Correct, <laughs> um, because then it's quantity over quality. Yeah. So, 
Uh, and then just making sure that they're locking out the time for, well, these are the times I have appointments. Uh, I also say to the team, and this was another salesperson, Christian Holbrook actually taught oh, me this. Um, he said, when you're booking appointments, always make sure that you, you know, be specific about the times that you've got available. Show the customer that you're busy and that your time's important mm -hmm. as well as theirs. Um, so rather than just say, oh, I can see you any time on Tuesday, mm -hmm. well, actually, I've got between 10.45 and 12.45 uh, yeah. available or 10.45 and 11.15. And Show um, some sense of urgency. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, this could be attributes of yours um, or they could be attributes of a manager you've had, but what would be the top three attributes of a, of a really effective manager? I would say uh, the first one is be genuinely curious in everything that you do. Uh, it's really important that, you know, it's, it's easy once you're sitting in a management role to say, well, this is how we're going to do things and people will do it because you've got that, that level of authority. But I think it's important to be genuinely curious about why we're doing things. Um, challenge, challenge the pro quo, as they say, and, and ask, well, why are we doing this? What's mm -hmm. the purpose of it? What's the outcome we want to achieve? So um, that's one. Curious, yep. two. Uh, the second one would be, uh, as a leader, your energy is everything. Mm. Uh, so I know that I cannot walk into a room and not be on my, my A okay. game. It's so important for the sales team to see me at my best all the time. And if I can't be at my best, I don't go in. Yeah, um, I think that's so, really important. Yeah. Three? Inspire. Um, inspire people every day to want to be better versions of, the, of themselves. That's probably the main. I think that's yeah. important. Sales gurus, like, you know, there's a few um, property sales gurus who go to the expos. Do you, is there any that you kind of listen to or? Look, they've all got, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because I've listened to them all and I've read so many books, whether it's Tony Robbins or Gary, you know, Fantastic. Gary V and, uh, and whatnot. There's things I like about all of them, and there's other things that make me want to vomit in a bin um, very quickly. So um, I think you've got to take the snippets mm -hmm. from all the people that inspire. You get bits out of everyone, and then work out which parts of those work best for mm -hmm. you. Because at the end of the day, you are uniquely you. Yeah. Um, you can't try to be a Gary Vee or a Tony Robbins. You've got to be yourself, the best version of you. Okay. What about um, maybe two sales experiences that you've had recently, be it um, Bunnings or anywhere, but what are the two sales experiences that you've been impressed by? Maybe oh. bought something that you didn't want to buy because of the... I do that all the time. I'm such <laughs> a sucker for a good salesperson. Uh, look, I think... I'm trying to think of a recent one that I've had. I think probably... I remember going into Audi and they had, this is going to sound very random, but I remember going into Audi um, in New South Wales, oh sorry, Harvey Bay it was, and this lady helped me, I was looking for these, you know, the the nappies that are reusable, the bamboo nappies mm -hmm. or whatever for my daughter-in-law, and this girl just came and helped me from Audi and she was so helpful and she said, oh, between, you know, really probably not great for Audi, but she was telling me they didn't have any left and she was telling me where I could order them online and all the rest of it. Now, I mean, they're on, what, $25 an hour, whatever the minimum wage is. She could have just said, no, we don't have any, but she went out of her way to talk me through the website and wrote it down and I just thought that was really cool. Audi Angels. Audi Angels, yeah. yeah.
channel marketing is fantastic. Uh, that brand was, look, I, I'm not going to lie, I would, I'm going to, it's so generic, but Apple, uh, they don't discount and they continue not to discount. You look at, look at Krispy Kremes and, and it wasn't too long before they had the market, they mm -hmm. had everyone desperate for them for such a long time and then all of a sudden they went, I'll call it global with Krispy Kremes and now they're just another donut. Um, yeah. So know your point of difference and, and stay true to it. So, so I don't even re no, I, that's right. I went to Sydney for work one time and I went down to the rocks and I bought this, um, you know, rip your face off chili sauce um, was the best way to describe it. And I'm sure they loaded it with fire ants in there. And I thought it'd be really funny one day we were in the office and I was making crackers for people and I mixed a little bit of this chili sauce in a cracker for Susan. And I said, Zoe, watch this, it's gonna be really funny. And Susan's face, when she tried, she saw everyone else try the crackers, so there was no reason to question my integrity which in any I did, of this. Normally. Which she normally would, but I, it, was, it all looked above board. And when she sampled it, her tongue swelled up. <laughs> it was bad, I had an allergic reaction, so thanks for that. So I thought I may get, I may actually lose my job if things went really south, but fortunately she recovered, so um, And yeah. what about, so what's the best project team you've been a part of? Don't have to say the company, but location maybe wise. Uh, there's been different things for different times, but the best project team where I felt like it was a real family was when I was in Adelaide with Urban Pacific. Um, Shane Cameron, Mike Filippo, John Blaise, um, um, Melissa and Amanda and um, Steve, I still remember all their names. They, it was a great team and we celebrated, we worked hard and we celebrated together. Every Friday we would make focaccia Friday, we called it, um, and someone would take a turn at making focaccias. And I just remember going, this is, this is such a great place to come to work. Yeah, um, yeah I'd say stop. You know, my time you don't at Stockland. Have to say it just because I. No, no, no. Stockland. I'd say my time at Stockland <laughs> in the early days with the likes of you and Julia and um, Damon Strang and Cole Dutton. Yeah. There was some good day, really good times there. Yeah. And um, I'd say, in between all of those, um, to where I am today, I've you know really pleased. I work with such a great bunch of people yeah. um, at Ingenia as well. So I feel really privileged. Well, thank you very much. That was really yeah. good. And I feel like I just spent um, a normal weekend with you. Pretty much. Then. Um, <laughs> but um, I really hope you guys enjoyed um, that little chat with Heidi. Um, and please reach out to her if you have any other queries with her. Um, but yeah, that's the start. First one done. And um, I'm feeling good. So I feel much better now than what I did when I started this interview, good. which is um, what we said at the beginning. So thank you very much. Thanks, Susan. Bye. <laughs> Bye.